Hi, I'm Yusuf Zin. My latest TVO Today podcast is on how a Canadian ends up in a Chinese prison, and if he's even alive. Listen and subscribe to Extradition. Available now, wherever you get your podcasts. Help TVO create a better world through the power of learning. Visit TVO.org and make a tax-deductible donation today. What happens when a government wants to introduce a bill with a whole slew of different items that may not have anything to do with each other? Well, oftentimes they just throw everything but the kitchen sink into what's called an omnibus bill. The current Ontario government introduced just such a bill last week, so we thought we'd get Peter Lowen, the director of the U of T's Monk School of Global Affairs and Public Policy, to join us and give us the ABCs of omnibus bills. Hi, Peter. How's your Latin these days? You going to be good for this? Uh, ready to go. Excellent. Let's just start with the current omnibus bill at Queen's Park, because that's why we have you on. Is there anything about this that, in your view, is particularly new or unprecedented in what they're trying to do at Queen's Park today? No, nothing too notable. I mean, what they're trying to do with the so-called Getting It Done Act is to uh, amend a whole number of parts of different acts within uh, the statute statutes uh, in Ontario. Some of it has to do with uh, banning the possibility of tolls on highways, apart from the 407. Uh, other parts would have to do with um, ensuring that there would have to be a referendum in the future if uh, anyone wanted to introduce any new prices on carbon. And other parts have to do with uh, uh, things as exciting as like municipal boundaries. So it's a it's a real grab bag of things, but it's not, in my view, kind of materially different than omnibus bills in the past have been. Well, that's the thing. I mean, highways, carbon pricing, municipal boundaries, and a whole bunch of other things as well that don't, at first blush, really have anything to do with each other. So is this, for lack of a better word, appropriate? Well, that's a matter of debate. And I'll be candid with you. Often the way this debate breaks down is that parties in opposition think that omnibus bills are bad and parties in government think that they're good. Um, and the reason is because they're, they're typically, though not always, they're typically just sort of massive pieces of legislation which are touching on all sorts of different issues often covered in different acts. So rather than being about just a single topic where it can be debated uh, on something that's rather focused, omnibus bills are often about a whole number of things where the government's just trying to get a whole bunch of changes through in a short period of time. So you can understand then why governments like it. They get a lot of business done quickly. You can understand why the opposition typically doesn't like them because there's a lot of targets to shoot at and they can't focus on a single one. Mm-hmm. To your knowledge, is there any kind of limits upon an omnibus bill? You can only have X number of things in it, but not X plus Y. So it's a great question. It depends a little bit on jurisdiction. It depends on what a speaker rules. So the, the, the general rule, which has emerged principally in the federal parliament, is that there has to be a unifying theme that ties all of the things that are being done together. And in this case, I think you can find one. It is largely about administrative rules around transportation and cities, if you think those are kind of a similar thing. And I think they kind of reasonably, reasonably are. But if you go too far and put the other things that have no relationship to each other, uh, an ambitious speaker may occasionally make it hard to get those to get those bills um, on the agenda. Well, uh, admittedly here, we're going back a little more than three decades as I try to recall an example of what you just referenced. I think it was Mike Harris's government back in the 1990s that put a, I think it was Bill 26, an omnibus bill before the provincial parliament. And the speaker, even though he was a member of the conservative government, he did say, you're going too far. So I guess there are lines that can be drawn here, eh? 
Yeah, there are there are limits, and then there will be cases people will say you've got to take this thing and you've got to you've got to break it up. And often, what you get get then are essentially two omnibus bills that are going to going to come through. So it is under the speaker's discretion. I don't expect in this case that a speaker is going to push back uh, on this particular piece of legislation or these particular pieces of legislation, depending on how you think about it. There you go. Just give the. I know you're not in the advice-giving business, but I'm going to ask you to do it anyway, because if you're a member of the opposition, there may be some things in this omnibus bill that you say, well, I can live with that. I really don't like that. This is okay. I'd like to vote for it, but that's in there. I don't want to vote for it. If you're a member of the opposition, what do you do? Because you know if there's something in there that, that the public actually would really love to have happen, but you oppose this bill because you don't like omnibus bills, you've just handed the government a lot of material for their next election campaign. Well, you have. In some cases, this isn't materially different than voting against any bill. Oppositions typically vote against bills. So if I were the opposition and either of the parties, either the three parties, and I was trying to figure out how to navigate my way through this, what I would do is I would clearly and publicly um, signal which things you agree with, which things you think are, are good ideas, say it over and over again that, you know, we're not opposing the government doing A, but we don't think B and C are good ideas, and effectively get yourself on the record. And then maybe take some consolation of the fact that typically voters don't pay super close attention to the details of what's being passed in various amendments or various parts of legislation. But I would I would I would put a flag up in terms of what you think is important and what you think you agree with and then oppose the rest. Yeah, they I mean, they don't the voters don't necessarily pay close attention to this, but you can bet the governing party that's putting it forward will. And it will give them lots of ammunition during future question periods to say, you know, Mr. Speaker, the opposition party, they wouldn't even vote for these tax breaks that we had, or they wouldn't even vote for the single fare on, on uh, you know, public transit systems around. They're kind of stuck, aren't they? Yes, I mean, this is this is the standard standard approach, right? Especially with omnibus bills. It happens with other bills, but the standard approach is put a lot of things in there and then force, force the opposition to vote against stuff that voters will otherwise think is popular. And, you know, that's, that's a practice that I, I presume is about as old as omnibus bills, which go back a long, long way. Well, in fact, I, I was going to raise another one here, and this one goes back to the late 1960s, where John Turner was the Minister of Justice at the time for Pierre Trudeau, and he had, I think in one omnibus bill, he wanted to change the rules around divorce. You used to have to get Parliament's permission to get a divorce in this country. Mm. He wanted to change the rules around homosexuality, which used to be illegal, and he wanted to change the rules around abortion which was illegal mm -hmm. under all circumstances back then, and he put it all together in one omnibus bill. Now, interestingly enough, he didn't want to do that, but the prime minister forced him to do it. I guess we're many, many, many years after the fact here, but as you put your scholar's hat on and look at this, was it appropriate to put all those things together, which are in, you know, individually very big, significant issues, all together in one bill? Well, this gets to the, this gets to the general question of what parliaments are for. And whether parliaments are there simply to act as not as rubber stamps, but as administrative bodies to move laws through, or if they're supposed to be the places in which deliberation and debate and exchange happen on on uh, important issues. And I guess in some ways, I don't feel like I, I feel like it's difficult to criticize governments for putting a bunch of legislation together because parties on all sides of legislatures these days don't tolerate a lot of actual disagreement within their ranks. Um, they're actually not much for deliberation. They're much more for uh, performance. So, you know, it, it's it's hard to fault governments in doing this. But I but I do think that omnibus bills are a part. They're not the only part, and maybe they're just a symptom. 
but certainly they're a part of parliaments which have become less adept at sorting through issues and becoming the arena where the where the public's representatives figure out what reasonable positions are as opposed to positions arriving um prepackaged uh and then simply um you know yayed or nayed by 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 otherwise unthinking members that's political scientist Peter Lowen, who has joined us from the Monk School of Global Affairs and Public Policy downtown at the University of Toronto. Peter, always good to have you on the program. Thanks for your time tonight. Thanks very much, Steve. The Agenda with Steve Pakin is made possible through generous philanthropic contributions from viewers like you. Thank you for supporting TVO's journalism.